Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that you are blessed in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Eric Jay, uh, joined in studio, as always, uh, by Chip Thompson, Jason Eisman. How are we doing, guys? Doing great. Good morning, everybody. Fantastic. We, well, got, we got some uh, interesting, awesome Fantastic news! Right? Yeah, things are uh, things are moving and shaking here at the Eternal Connection Studios. They are. Um, we can't share too many details yet, uh, but we are excited to announce that we will soon be broadcast uh, across pretty much all of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and uh, also, uh, we're putting out podcasts pretty much everywhere. And uh, are going to try and get the word of Jesus Christ out to more people. Amen. And we thank you for our listeners here uh, that have supported us for the past. Uh, gosh, it's already been what three years? Not quite three, probably. Two thousand twenty. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know, it flies by. That's huh? unreal. Yeah, but yeah. we've uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and and uh, folks were interested in our show, and so we've been given some opportunities, and we'll share more with you about that uh, later this month. Uh, our website's going to be updated, and you yep. can get all that information there. But we just praise the Lord that this show we started for pretty much. Just for fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> because we could, yeah. Um, and to get the the gospel out there has has uh, blessed so many people, and that we have the opportunity to grow. So, I'm still reeling from three years. I, I can't know. believe it. That's <laughs> just wow. I hey, was just I was time... just talking today to somebody, and I said I think it was about a about a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so nope, and we're still in John. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. There's a lot to get to, and we're going to get to it here. We're in John 17, uh, and we're going to be picking up technically in verse 16. We'll do a little review before we get into that. But as always, Chip, why don't you pray for us first? Okay. You know, guys, I'm, I uh, found this prayer. I'm reading a new book uh, uh, about Scripture, and uh, I found this uh, great prayer uh, that I'm going to use this morning. Um, Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Very good. Yeah, I don't know if we could top that. That was, that was excellent. Um, you going to share with us who it's from? Well, sure. As a matter of fact, it was uh, John Kleinig. Uh, he wrote a book uh, that just came out last year called God's Word, A Guide to Holy Scripture. And uh, I just started it last night, and I read that prayer, and I'm like, I, I'm going to use that on the radio. So, Well, John, if you're listening, go to eternalconnectionradio.com. We'll let you know where to send the check. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> so John 17, I actually like that prayer too because it has a lot to do with what Jesus is going to say in verse 17. Uh, very much what that, that prayer you said I had in mind, sanctifying through the word. But uh, we're in John 17. Uh, Jesus has been praying for uh, a while now for his disciples mm-hmm. as he's preparing to leave his disciples. And, of course, by leave, he doesn't mean forever. Um, and not just leave their sight, because if they've learned anything up to this point, um, it's really only through the eyes of faith, not the eyes in your head, that you see Jesus at all. So he's going to leave their sight, but he's certainly not going to leave them. He's not going to leave their hearts. He's not going to abandon them as he promised. I will not leave you as orphans. Uh, But his ministry in the world and to the world is going to change. And that change involves them. And that's really the heart behind Jesus's prayer. As we've talked about over the past several episodes, Jesus has been telling his father, I've done my job, Lord. I've kept the ones you've given me. They've kept your word. Now I'm coming to you, and I'm praying for them. Jesus said in verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. Now, why might Jesus be saying, don't take them out of the world? Again, remember, Jesus knows they're not going to be taken out of the world. He's praying in a way that he's never prayed before with them and teaching them through this prayer. They're going to think, well, can't we just go with you, Jesus? No, no, no. I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Why? Well, he's going to use them uh, to start spreading the good news uh, to everyone that needs to hear because all are sinners, so everyone needs the word. Everyone needs the gospel. Absolutely, yeah. This this is how Jesus is going to continue his ministry, and it's how he does it today. And this is, really, this is a really big question. This isn't to doubt God or Jesus, but when you talk about that, he's the, the Almighty, right? Why use so few people and not, you know, touch hundreds, thousands, millions in the same manner? Um, You know, I just feel like maybe he, uh, you know, he could have done more with the great power that he has. Think of it this way. With everything we've read in John so far, what are some of the miraculous things the disciples have seen with their own eyes? Like actual sight or through faith as you're speaking? Sight. Physical sight. How have they been blessed beyond what your brain could fathom? Well, the the individual that was able to gain vision. Yep. In that, you know. Giving blind people sight. Yeah. Making lame people walk. Making dead Lazarus live when he's been in the tomb for four days telling a storm to be quiet, and it does, taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. And yet still the disciples, having seen and experienced all of that, are they super believers? Not at all. Do they still have doubts? Mm -hmm. Well, even Do they still struggle with it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so even if, even if, what, what other power could he do? What, what, what else could he display to them through his raw power as God incarnate? What else is there to see? Demons flee before him. What, they watched exorcisms happen. And this is a, a simple yet profound truth. The reason all of that didn't work is because of our sin, but also because the way God designed this from the beginning is that our relationship with him would be through words. That he would display his power not through a human understanding of might, but even through the weakness of the cross. And taking 12 guys who were up in an upper room that we're going to be reading about soon when Jesus is risen from the dead, shaking in their boots because they're convinced they're going to be crucified next. Mm-hmm. And Why? God displays his power by taking those guys in this simple message, and he has touched billions of people. Billions have been saved, not because we have seen incredible things, but because God is real. That's the only explanation why through this book, lives are changed, souls are saved. He demonstrates his power through their weakness. Well, that reminds me of a a story in, I believe, in the Old Testament uh, where uh, there was a uh, a mighty shaking of the earth, and there was fire, and God wasn't, Scripture specifically says, God wasn't in those things. Yeah. He was in the whisper that yeah, followed. Yeah, the prophet Elijah, mm-hmm. and he was struggling. I mean, he was giving up. He was like, Lord, why do you keep having me go to these stubborn people, Israel? They don't listen. They don't do what you tell you, and it's going to get me killed, and he's bummed out. Right. And so God says, take a hike, Elijah. <laughs> go up to this mountain. So Elijah goes up on the top of the mountain, and uh, all of a sudden, the earthquake's so so bad it's splitting rock. Then there's fire. Then there's a horrendous wind. And Elijah said, God wasn't in any of that. But when all that was over, there was a whisper, and God was found in the whisper. That Elijah heard? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a great picture of what you just said about the fact that you know in our heads the way we r- would have written that script God would have been in the mighty yep. you know displays of raw power and he wasn't God doesn't operate the way we would and we don't understand it because we're sinners I think you're oh I know you're 100% right on the understanding of Parkus reading the word and yep. understanding it is just insane sometimes you know it's like your this internal battle but then as you talked to you know the the original question that started this was why didn't god do more At, you know or jesus and and then i was thinking as you were answering me i had some time to think through that some more and he was doing enough at the time to create the the people that he needed to write what would later change the world, the word, right? You know, so in my plan, if it was mine, which is never going to be, it would have been like, do it all then, just well, right now, hit, yeah, the, hit the smart button. The other people that saw it were the Pharisees, the people that killed Jesus. They saw they saw the same things. So it wasn't seeing it; it was believing what Jesus said about who He is, and the word He was giving, not necessarily what He was doing. The miracles 
were never intended to give faith. Miracles could only be seen as miracles through faith. And it's the word that gives faith. And this is what where Jesus is going in verse 16. He says, they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Whether we understand it fully or not, Jesus has prayed five or six times thus far. I've given them your word. They've kept the word. Keep them in your word. They're not of the world. Guard them in your word. And now he comes out and he says it flat out. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's a wonderful word in the Greek, agiazo, sanctify. What does that mean? I feel like we've talked about that before, but I'm going to need a reminder. Well, I think it's, it's, it's related to what we call justification, which is, uh, you know, of ourselves, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It, we, require, um, we require being saved from external, from outside of ourselves, and that's what Jesus did. Sanctification is the extension of that. Again, it's something Jesus does. It's not something we do ourselves, but it's, I suppose, keeping us there. Is that, I mean... Yeah, sanctify literally means uh, to make holy. And what does holy mean? Not, not the holy like we think of in, in our Western world, like perfect, or yes, that's an element of it, but it literally means set apart. So sanctification is God making us into who he has already made us to be. Making us into who he has already made us to be. Another way of saying this is God has declared us to be righteous through faith in his son. And now as we live by faith in that word, God sanctifies us in that truth that truth of who we are because of what Jesus has done for us. So would would saying setting set us apart be accurate there? Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, they're still filled with doubts and sin and all that, and, and while we're here in this life, there's a process to growing into the salvation. This is what Paul would later say. Grow up into the salvation that's been given you. Mm-hmm. You are saved. Be saved. Never going to be perfect here in this life. But, as I've said many times, this life for us is part of eternal life. I fully expect that when we get to heaven, we're going to look back on the sanctification the Lord did while we were here, and that is going to be a part of our understanding of who he is for eternity. And that's going to happen through his word. So says Jesus. Jesus didn't say, sanctify them with your power. Sanctify them with, with your might. No, sanctify them with your word. Because honestly, the most powerful thing about God is his word. Let's go back to John 1. Nothing was made that has been made except through him, that word that was with God in the beginning. 
there's nothing. The only reason there's anything is because God said, let there be. So the true power is the word. So Jesus says, keep them in that word. Sanctify them with that word. And by praying this out loud to his disciples, he's teaching them, guys, this is how you're going to make it. This is how you're going to, as he told his disciples earlier, do even greater things than I've done. And if you think about it, Jesus, as you said, Jason, had only 12 disciples in the end, and they all abandoned him and they all were terrified. The disciples are going to go on and, and bring salvation to millions and millions and billions of people. Literally, they will change the planet. As we say over and over and over on the eternal connection, the whole point of the word is not to give you an eternal understanding, but to keep you eternally connected with the one who's going to save you. And that's what Jesus means. Sanctify them in the truth. That's the point of the word. Do you think when we get to heaven, we can ask him a lot of questions? You're going to have eternity, and you'll still have questions. That's, I mean... We, we, we think that there's some end to God. No, that's why we call him God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the beginning and the end, meaning he defines it. We, we will spend eternity learning. Everything has to have a source. All knowledge has to have a source. It's him. Giving up, trying to understand it all to the ninth degree and to have faith and just keep reading, as you've always said. Uh, you know, I, Jason, I think you could sit here right now and if you had an objective look at yourself over the past year in the word of God, out of all the amazing things that have happened to you in your life, has anything done what the word of God has done for you? Well, that's a really good question because this morning I was sitting in the, the bedroom just thanking God for another day, you know, just having a moment to talk. Um, thought I'd pray to him and, you know, ask for forgiveness. And I thought to myself, I'm not even going to try and list a single thing. You know it all, you know, but just... It's, it's faith, but getting to understand it all, it's like I got to check out sometimes. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that based on listening to you, uh, the thing that uh, kind of warms, warms me up a little bit is the fact that it wasn't that long ago when you had, were struggling even to read a single page in Scripture. And the fact that you're spending 30 minutes and you're thinking through it, if that's not sanctification, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, like I said, the question, what has anything changed you more powerfully than well, I think this word? Ultimately now I just have a clearer vision that everything that's changed me ever was through him. I can just <laughs> see it now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I, we haven't sat on this show and tried to convince you of a thing. We haven't we haven't tried to convert you or or proselytize you. It's it's you've just opened the Bible for the first time, you've let it have its way with you. And there you go. And the cool thing is that God allowed Pastor and I along to watch. And and that's one of the coolest things that 
you know, you could possibly see is when a new believer starts down the road of asking questions and, and things occur to them, man, there's nothing better than that. You know, you talk about new believers or there's um, that daily struggle, that learning curve, that like challenge of just understanding the word. And and you said it also, once you start reading, you'll want to read more. Mm-hmm. But you, you just need, uh, you know, people like us and others that, you know, bring the word to people, whether it's through this radio show or a website or a church or, you know, to get somebody started just long enough to get their mind to start enjoying some of the like struggle to understand some of this. And and it kind of just snowballs you there. Yeah. And we're not saved by what we understand. We're saved with a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he means when he says, sanctify them in the truth. The, the word I've given them. And, I mean, he's already prayed that his disciples would be one just as he and the Father are one. That they would be brought into this, into a relationship with the Godhead. That's the whole goal, is to have that relationship with God we had before sin came. Then he says in verse 18, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Is that like him handing off the baton? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's him saying, "This, this is how my ministry is going to continue. My relationship with the world, God, your relationship with the world is going to continue on through them. That's exactly how you intended it. But the only reason it's going to happen this way is because I consecrate myself. Now, what does that word mean, consecrate? I first heard it and then reread it. You know, I, I went with remove myself. Okay, you could say remove yourself, yeah. Jesus doesn't have any sin to remove, right? We are made holy, and it's significant that he says, I consecrate myself. (laughs) He's God. Yep. He's bearing the sins of the world. He's bearing his disciples' sins. So he's consecrating, as Paul would say, he who had no sin became sin, so that those sinners could be forgiven so as the god man the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world jesus as we talked about through that whole temptation of judas who's in control this whole time even when he's being beaten is consecrating himself to the father so that we might be consecrated we might be sanctified And through those particular 12 apostles, it's not an increase in blessing. It is a unique consecration and a unique ability they were given to bring salvation to the rest of the world. Jesus is praying for them because that's going to come at a cost. What's going to come at a cost? 
the blessing they're going to receive to to carry Christ into the world and be the ones through whom Christ works miracles. They're going to be put to death for it, just like he was. Because the world hates the truth. The sinful world hates it. So this is both a prayer for these 12 guys who, yes, it would have been incredible to be them. It would have also been terrifying. The only reason they were able to do what they were able to do is because of what Jesus did for them. And where he's going to go next in verse 20. I do not ask for these 12 disciples only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now that, my beloved Christians, should make you stop and realize what the Lord wants to do with you. Through this word given to these apostles, this word we're reading now, Jesus just prayed that we would all be one just as the Father and the Son are one so that we would be one with him eternally, now and eternally. He's not praying for those that are going to believe in their word in heaven. He's praying for those that are going to believe in their word on earth, that we can have that unity with God, with each other. So this this prayer of Jesus for you and for me who are hearing their words is for our unity with God and each other. And this is the pastor in me talking right now, but this is the disheartening part of seeing church attendance drop. The church is just another thing in the list of things. No, the church, those who believe, is everything. That's what Jesus is praying for. That's how the world's going to know. I, I hear this from Christians all the time. They just sit there, you know, shake their heads at the television, or and, and I do it too. Well, I got news for you. The solution is not a Christian politician. The solution isn't a Christian policy. Yes, we want those. Of course we want those. Those help. The solution is church, be the church. Don't Don't just go to church. Be one. Be one first with him through his word and then be one with another. That means you're not just Christian friends who attend the same building. You have a life together. That is the Lord's will for you. That's what he prays to God for for you. And I would suggest that if we believe what Jesus says, it's not going to be a perfect world, but at least for us and for many who would come to believe because of it, the church's unity with each other is the only hope we have of making a difference. It's not our good deeds. And Jesus already said this in John 13, a new commandment I give to you. And he's talking to his disciples. You guys love one another. That's how the world will know you're my disciple. 
We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.